And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 26. Whoop whoop. And I have nothing to say because <laughs> I told you we're getting to the stupid ages where nothing counts. <laughs> yep. We just keep going up and up. That's okay. Yep. Only thing next to celebrate is 30. That's right. And then we'll go, fuck, we're in our 30s. <laughs> I cried when I turned 30. I didn't. I was like, well, bring it on. And you know I'm usually the one that's like, when you ask me how old I am, I always say a year older. Yeah. Like, I just, age doesn't matter. But God, man, when I turned 30, I was a basket case. Not me. I think, too, because I was in grad school, living with my parents. Yeah. You know, like, everything had gone backwards from, like, living on my own and all of that, and then moved back in with my parents, and then I turned 30, and I was like... Oy vey. <laughs> so I just felt like my life was going backwards instead of forwards, even though I was doing the steps to keep it going forwards, yeah. like grad school, but it still, it felt like, whatever, anyway. Oh my God, can you say it one more time? It felt like it was going backwards instead of forwards? I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> it was going backwards. <laughs> <laughs> backwards. Oh mm-hmm. gosh. Oh, I know what else. Okay. We have two new Patreoners. Oh, that's right. Okay. Jessica P., I got to tell you, your husband showed you some serious love. Yes. When he signed you up, he was like, um, and can y'all please just make sure to tell her how awesome she is? <laughs> yes. So, Jessica, you are awesome. Thank you, you for signing loved. up. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much. And we have Jacqueline H. She gets bonus episodes. Mm-hmm. Gets to pick the topic. Yep. Bloopers. Yes, girl. If you have not listened, go listen. Kim, I told her to go listen, and she was like, oh, my God, I snorted. <laughs> That's Mm-mm-mm. funny. Will does a good job with this. Yes, he does. I mean, he's pretty much like the Wizard of Oz. Will is, like, has a fucking lifesaver. Yes, if we were on the Titanic, he would have let us get on his uh, door. He would have said, oh, I can just scoot over. Yeah. Then he would have been like, this bitch. Because, <laughs> I mean, one time I went paddleboarding and I couldn't stand up on it. <laughs> and every time I fell off, the guy had to, like, stay with me because it was bad. <laughs> Who can lift themselves up on a paddleboard in the middle of the fucking ocean? Not this girl. <laughs> It was hard. I would, like, heave to get up there. (laughs) And, like, the guide would, like, have to hold the paddleboard flat because I would, like, topple it over, just, like, fall backwards back into the water. (laughs) Because I had no core strength, no upper body strength, and nothing to push off of other than deep blue ocean. Uh Uh-uh. And that shark swimming underneath you? Mm Mm-hmm. Thinking I'm a seal. (laughs) They say say that that's why sharks eat. Surfers, because the surfboard looks like a seal mm-hmm. to them with their shitty eyes. I learned you something today. Oh, yeah, you did. I watched Shark Week. I'm just me. kidding. I don't actually. Mm-mm. Something else that's exciting as Carrie getting up on a paddle board is we had, we had an impromptu live, and we, oh, o- <laughs> and we opened some mail that we got to our PO box. So thank y'all for that. The live was in the Facebook group, not on the Facebook page. Yeah. So thank y'all so much for all of the good stuff. And I did not put any of the promo codes up yet, but I will do that. Oh God, I forgot. Yes, we had a 
crazy packed weekend. But there's this guy, Philip, who is on one of our lives. So shout out, Philip. No, he's been on. I know he's been on a few. Okay, okay, okay. But he was on one, and I thought he was Kim's boyfriend. Because they signed on like at the same time. (laughs) And I was like, hey, Kim. Oh, and I was like, hey, Philip. Oh, that's Kim's boyfriend. And then I was like, or fiance. Or, and she was like, no, his name's Rick. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit. Hey, Oh, Bella. God. It was so, so fucking funny. Yeah, it just went on from there. Well, anyway, Poor fast Phillip. forward. Yeah, like, I mean, you know me. I'm a dog with a fucking bone. I'm just going to keep going on it. <laughs> and so, anyway, fast forward to this live. And we're talking about Carrie. And I don't even. How did it even come up? I don't know. But he. <laughs> Oh, oh, because he said, did you get the underwear I sent you? And you said, only if it's used. And (laughs) then I was like, "Um, Carrie doesn't even wear underwear. And so that just went on. And he said, you have to air out her Dybbuk box. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. And then, of course, I had to take another step. And I said, there might be a demon in there, but there ain't no dick. Damn. (laughs) Oh, God. I was just getting slammed all over the fucking place in this live. Uh-huh, but not where you wanted. <laughs> I mean, my box ain't getting slammed. <laughs> I just had to open them. <laughs> <laughs> Too far. <laughs> Too far. Also, one more thing to talk about before we get to the good good. Um, <laughs> you know, while everybody's here. So, we are working on new merch. Yes. That will be ready in time for Halloween. And... All of y'all posting all of your pictures wearing the merch is like, y'all are so freaking cute. Yes. I love it. Mm-hmm, the colors y'all picked out are so cute. I know. So, I'm Jilly. Yes. And if you want to be on our Instagram, because we put it under our merch highlight, just tag us in it. Mm-hmm. And we will put it in there. Yeah. We can do it on our story. Uh-huh. That's what you mean when you yes. say merch highlights? <laughs> I don't really understand the Instagram. <laughs> oh, gosh. But, yeah, so we love to see y'all. In, um, so you can get to our merch store through our website, aparanormalchicks.com. Or you can go to store.aparanormalchicks.com. That place, too. <laughs> okay, you go first. I don't know why I sang it. So, first off. I'm the realist. Yes. Whatever happened to her? She went off the thing because she, I think she got not in trouble, but like she couldn't write her own shit. And uh, so Nicki Minaj was like, uh, fuck you, pleasant. <laughs> okay. So, first off, I'm going to talk about some rules when playing with the Ouija board because I left those off last time. Oh. I mean, hopefully, no one played with it because of the stories. So they were like, oh, maybe I shouldn't play with it. No, they were probably like, oh, fuck, a demon? No, thank you. Yeah. However, just want to let y'all know if y'all are going to play, there's some rules. Okay. Okay. So, it's important to never taunt or goad a spirit using the thing, which Huller, you know, bedazzled boo, he always fucking does. Which is why he gets possessed and gets angry. (laughs) Then, never ask a Ouija board when you're going to die. Oh, because they'll say... Now, motherfucker. <laughs> That'd be a long time. I'd be like, N-O-W-M. Oh, true. They don't talk to you. <laughs> Maybe they would shorten it and actually be like, motherfucker. <laughs> M-F-R. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, they know slang. 
<laughs> Fish belly. <laughs> oh, stop it. <laughs> it says, also to remember that spirits who talk to you through your Ouija board can tell you anything they fucking want. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. So just because a spirit says something does not mean it's true. It will try to win your trust by telling you, hey, yeah, I'm a long lost relative. I'm your grandma. And, you know, be like, got you mf Yeah. <laughs> like hooked on you. <laughs> Right home on your fucking shoulder. Okay. Also, it says never to use a Ouija board alone. Which you told us. Mm-hmm. It says the more people you have with you, the better, because it means the more energy is present to connect with the spirit mm. that you want. And it said also, um, if everyone's not comfortable to sit there and touch the planchette, they can watch, but it's still their energy yeah. that is helping. Do not use a Ouija board in your home. If you do connect with a mean spirit, the energy will be in your home, Mm-mm. and it will be harder to break the contact. Uh-uh. One person in the group should be a leader, and it's the person that will ask the questions. Mm-hmm. That person should not ask joke questions and, like, again, taunt and yeah. goad. No, fuck that. No. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. It says, if you are using the Ouija board and you're not the leader, you should keep your fingers on the planchette and remain silent. No one should laugh or w- ask whether it's working. Because mm. you know that's, like, is it going to work? Is it working? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I didn't think about that because mm-hmm. that's totally what I would say. Yeah. She, Did you move that? <laughs> Yeah. It said, this is negative energy, which interferes with the process. Do not try to decipher the words as the planchette moves. Your role is to close your eyes and focus on the planchette. That's why you have someone else writing it down. Uh huh. Well, how are they supposed to see which word letter it landed on? I mean, hopefully they're close. They better have good eyesight. Be like, okay, it landed right here. And then it moves and it's like E. I don't know. I've never done it. Me neither. Uh-uh. You don't want to. Mm-mm. You got other friends? <laughs> I don't. Marley? <laughs> this is a big one. Don't leave the planchette on the board. When you're done using the board, remove it. Uh, even if you're just leaving the room for a bit, it's considered bad luck to leave it on the board. Why would you be leaving the room anyway? Because you can't break the circle. Right. But like, but they're yeah, saying know. even if you... Leave, like, in the session, don't just leave it there. Like, you know. Say goodbye and then do it. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Put that shit on a shelf. mm Mm-hmm. And here's with this. If you want to take a break, have one person keep their hand on the planchette and stay connected to the energy, to the energy that you've built. Because you know what would happen. You'd have to pee. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Then... Always end your session by saying goodbye, and that's sliding the planchette to the word goodbye. And then right up off that fucking board. (laughs) Yep. This says the location that you should use would be ideally dark and free of background noise, and you would need, like, candle to light the board. Girl, I could not see that and be like, what is that? What? Mm -hmm. Like, uh uh-uh. You know how in, like, movies and stuff, there's always the old guy or woman that's like, what do you say? That's what I would be like. What does it say? Yeah. <laughs> I can't see it. I need, can I get, can I get my phone, flashlight? You'd be like, I need subtitles. Oh, God. You know I need some subtitles. Always. Oh, my gosh. Y'all, on 
On Sundays, we have APC Watch Party that anyone can join. And we have to put subtitles on for Carrie. (laughs) True story. (laughs) I'm not the only one that does it that watches with subtitles. No, I mean, you got me watching it now. I don't, nothing is on my TV that doesn't have subtitles. I don't watch it during like TV. Oh, uh, every single thing I watch has subtitles on. Mm-mm, I can't fucking hear. I mean, I can hear it, but it's like I can't understand it. And it's usually the background music because I'm a hundred. The background <laughs> music is too loud, so I can't hear the words. And then if they got an accent, I got. I need. I need. I need subtitles. You are Dorothy with a splash of Sophia. Mm-hmm. If a spirit starts communicating with you through the board by counting down or going through the alphabet immediately in the session by saying goodbye. And that means, like, that's a common thing if you're speaking to a mean spirit, a bad spirit, a what? demon. What? I wonder why. I don't, I don't know. No, I know. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, it's just like a, damn, I wonder. Oh, and this one I would never do. It says, do not use a Ouija board in a cemetery. <gasps> uh-uh. Uh, no thanks. I mean, I can see why... Some dumbasses would think that was a good idea. No, I'm just kidding. Unless you do it, and you're not dumb, but you are very risky. I know. I'm just kidding about the dumbass. But, I mean, I can totally see why that would be, like, something you would want to do. Because it's full of spirit. Yeah. Hopefully. Or, you know what I mean. And so, I mean, I totally can see why somebody would do that. But. But uh I can also see, like, who I feel like they're really talking to. Like, they're not talking to the Courtney's here who are... Well versed in this, I feel like that's really speaking to the dumb teenagers who are like yeah. being inconsiderate and like rude to the yeah, like ooh, let's go do this and let's drink in, in the, the cemetery. cemetery. That Damn. was weird. <laughs> okay, it also says if you're experiencing depression, it may be good to avoid using the Ouija board because that kind of energy draws. Mean spirits. We'll see right there. We can never use it then. (laughs) Also, never burn a Ouija board. This can do more damage than simply leaving it untouched in a closet. If you're having problems with the Ouija board, store the planchette and board separately. But which they said to really... No, I guess they said, like, don't Don't leave leave it it out. On there, yeah. All right. So now that we got that out of the way, you know, what to do, what not to do... As much as I could tell you. Um, <laughs> but you have free will, so do whatever the fuck you want to do. Just don't fucking bring that shit to my house. <laughs> All right. So now we're going to get into my story. Okay. So I, this goes hand in hand, obviously, with the Ouija board since I brought that back up. You I know? thought it was just like a correction. Well, it's an add-on. But okay. An addendum, if you yes. will. Yes. Yes. I didn't want it to be like four hours long like that one podcast episode we did. Mm-hmm. So I was like, uh, I'll break this up okay. because it needs its own anyway. Okay. But this is about a Ouija board demon and his name is Zozo. The clown. <laughs> sure. Nuh-uh. You tell him that he rhymes with Bozo. You do that and you see what he says. I'm not fucking using a Ouija board. Does he hear me anyway? Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. Oh, shit, mama. So, who is Zozo? He is, again, a Ouija... Anne. Anne Ouija board sounds so weird. Yeah. When I saw that on the title of the last episode, I was like, 
that looks so weird. Like every right? time I read it to myself, I was like, I mean, it's it's accurate but it dramatically, just, but it just is awful. Yeah. So he's a Ouija board demon. Yeah. We'll just say A and know <laughs> yeah. that we know that we're wrong. <laughs> it's just like when you say it's a 10 foot ceiling. Well, it's 10, so it's feet. Oh. But we say foot. He's yeah. nine foot tall. Yeah. Huh. Maybe that's a Southern. <laughs> yeah, people are like, uh, that's not what we say. I know. I say it's a 10-foot ceiling. Feet ceiling. I was like, wait, that's <laughs> what you said. They probably say the ceiling is 10 feet tall, where we oh, say yeah. it's a 10-foot tall ceiling. <laughs> yeah. We just say it bass backwards. <sighs> okay. So, he is known to terrorize and possess those who come in contact with him. So, he's the Slender Man of Ouija's. Mm-hmm. Basically. He became popular around 2009, and again, like Slenderman, he was a subject of a viral post, but this one wasn't, like, asking for you to, like, fake something. This person, Darren Wayne Evans, he wrote on a message board about paranormal stuff. Mm -hmm. He wrote about something and was like, don't fuck with the Ouija. Damn. But don't fuck with the Ouija. Right. <laughs> so those who claim to make contact with Zozo, they say that he can go by different names, such as Zaza, Mama, Oz, Zo, Za, and Abacus. Is this the bird from Lion King? <laughs> Zazu. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, so he often shows himself by guiding the planchette into figure eight formation. So it would really be like infinity because mm-hmm. it would be sideways, you know? What? I don't, I guess I never, you never it's thought still about a figure eight to me. Oh. It doesn't matter which way it goes, I didn't think. Oh, well, it's infinity. Well, what does it mean when it's upright? It's eight. That's different than a, I mean, it's the same, but I think the it's different. Uh, and then after he does those formations, he will frantically zoom back and forth between the Z and the O, which is why some people think it's Oz. But really, it's Zazu. It's just kidding. Zozo, yes. Yeah, I'm just kidding. You're kidding until you have to go home alone. No, no, no. Shh. I'm sorry, Zazu. <laughs> Zozo. So he starts out friendly, buttering you up, you know, and then... He does grow malicious. He's known to curse. He's known to threaten. And sometimes threaten personally, not just like... In general. Yeah, not like just K-I-L. It's like K-I-L-K-E-R-R-I. Why does he spell kill with K-I-L? He just shorthands, drop a letter off? Oh, did I say that? (laughs) (laughs) Kill. He, uh... (laughs) K-I-L-L... <laughs> Look, he's just trying to speed up the haunting along. Just drop Kill a carry. Kill carry. Okay, so he's often wrangled by a Ouija board, but you can contact him through other forms, like automatic writing. You know, when mm-hmm. you contact him and they just like kind of write through you and stuff. Also, I have to put this. So I found that Zo in Haitian Creole means bone and in another creole dialect it means penis 
And, of course, I had to write this down because I thought about it when I did that. Well, one, bone and penis. Like, funny boner penis. Like, what? But then... I'm going to bone you with my penis. Yeah. And then I said, this means he's a dickhead demon. Or he's a ghost dick. (sighs) Okay. So, we were watching, doing our APC watch party. We do it with Creep Mom, and she does it on... Rabbit, uh, rabbit TV. TV. Yeah. So she streams it and we all just like AOL chat while we watch it. Mm-hmm. And we were watching Zach Bagan's Demon House. Oh, yeah. And there was like a finger or something. Remember, it looked like it was like a shadow. Mm-hmm. And they were like, blah, 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 blah. And I think Valerie might have said, it's a ghost dick. And, oh, my God. And that has stuck. Uh-huh. We talk about it all the fucking time now. Every Sunday we talk about ghost yes. dick. <laughs> Oh, gosh. It's so funny. So, that was a good joke. And I mean, I'm just saying, Sundays are fun fun days. days. Damn, why you had to steal my thunder? You said it too slowly. Fuck, I had to take a breath. (laughs) Okay. So, and you didn't even laugh at my dickhead demon. Because I was already thinking ghost dick. Yeah, and then you had to one-up me. God, you're so good. <laughs> okay, so how? where did he come from? Where did he go? Cotton Eye Joe. Yes. Okay, so. Isn't it Cotton Eye or something when a penis is cold? Like a, oh, my God, like a snake. A one-eyed. It's like a cotton, cotton head snake. snake. Something. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, that was full circle. Very yeah. phallic of us. <laughs> Very Freudian right there. Golly. All right. So, Darren Wayne Evans, he was the one, who, again, who wrote a story talking about Zozo. He wrote it on True Ghost Tales message board. And he said, During my experiences with Ouija board, one particular spirit always seems compelled to make its presence known. Its name is Zozo. Today, I refuse to even pronounce its name as I believe the mere pronunciation of it can cause it to manifest itself. Too many times to count, it has at first pretended to be a nice spirit or pretend to be whomever I was trying to contact. But eventually, it shows its true self, cussing at me, threatening me, and threatening others present in the room. Once it actually cussed at me using what looked like Latin or Hebrew and using biblical terminology. I was genuinely fascinated and startled by how many times Zozo showed up, even in many different states and many different Ouija boards. It always wound up being very nasty and commented freely about how, to, how it wanted to possess my girlfriends and take them to paradise. When asked what paradise was, it spelled H-E-L-L. Nuh-uh. One time after Zozo was being extremely evil, I walked into my bathroom only to see my one-year-old daughter about to drown. (gasps) Her mother had left her alone in the tub just for a second, and somehow the water got turned on and was overflowing. What? Instinctively, she had her face tilted up and was seconds from going under when I grabbed her from the water. The next day, she was hospitalized for some weird internal infection and was put in isolation for 14 days straight as doctors tried to diagnose the illness. We almost lost her, and that was when I began to suspect demonic attack. Damn. I feel like, though, 
just devil's advocate, mm-hmm. pun not intended, <laughs> that, okay, well, Donna thought that was real fucking funny. She gave me her fake laugh. <laughs> that was a demonic laugh. I was like, oh. Oh, you're not funny. Okay. No. Okay. If she only left the baby for, like, just a minute, mm-hmm. one, how do we know that she didn't forget and leave the water on? Yeah. Two, if she only left the baby for a minute, how did it fill up so quickly that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That it was about to overflow. Yeah. I don't know. I don't necessarily buy that. Yeah, no. I, I'm just reading what he's no, saying. No, I know. But, yeah. Also, everyone says, I was just away for a second. And yes, it's always a little bit longer because it's like, oh, wait, let me do this one thing before I go back. Right, and right, right. Whatever. Also, if he is a demon, though, I feel like he does have powers to do something more. You know Probably. what I mean? Yeah. Like on scary movies, it always happens. Oh, God. Because those are real. Hey, I don't know. Just saying. No, but I do, yes. But also, then, how can we say that maybe Zozo had possessed the girlfriend then? True. And that's why she... Was like, gone so long, mm-hmm. even. Or she actually turned the water on because of him, or yeah, whatever. True. Could be. So, there are skeptics, of course, like you, that believe he invented the whole existence of Zozo. Mm-hmm. But there are earlier mentions of Zozo on the internet. There's a Nigerian forum that talks about him in 2005. And they also say that Zozo may be another name for Pazuzu. (laughs) I know that sounds fake, but he is an almost 3,000-year-old demon who has the body of a man and a scorpion's tail. And he was, like, he is... Known for being the demon in The Exorcist. Oh. Yeah. Also, in 1818, there is a book called The Dictionnaire Infernal. It was a French book. So, I mean, like, it has all that flair and shit, and Mm -hmm. I can't do that. But it was published, like I said, in 1818. And it was on the topic of demonology and included a list of demons. It also included an account of a young girl who was terrorized, fucking ours, mm-hmm. who was terrorized by demons two years earlier. One of those demons was named Zozo. And like I said, it's believed that Roland Doe, who we've talked about, mm-hmm. and again with the exorcist, it's believed that he was a victim of Zozo. And again, with the Pazuzu and that whole connection. Yeah. Also, in 1977, there was the famous Enfield Poltergeist haunting, and they believe Zozo is behind that as well because it's when two young sisters were playing with the Ouija board. So that's one of—I'm not going to go much into detail about that because I'm actually going to do that at a later date. Okay. So just know. Could be that. Also, I didn't write this down, but— I read that they believe Zozo was responsible for, I think her name is like Doris Blyther. Just kidding. Blyther, Blyther. And she was who was behind that movie, The Entity. And it was all about like Incubus and 
these ghosts and stuff. I don't want to say too much about her either because she's someone I really want to do a story on. Okay. But he does have, I think I might mention this later, but he does have a little flirtatious side for the women. Mm. And because, you know, penis, he's all about it. Uh And so they think that he was responsible. Like she played with a Ouija board, met Zozo, and had a nightcap with him. But not that she wanted to. Like, she, you know, definitely wasn't like uh, Anna Nicole Smith who wanted to have sex with Ghost. Do you remember that? mm All I remember is that lady that's married to the 400-year-old pri- pirate. Pirate? Oh, my gosh, yes. But anyway, so, but, like, apparently Zozo is thought to be, bl- the you know, the cause of many different things. Again, it's after the fact, you know. Yeah. And, Whatever, but it's kind of like you look at a serial killer, and then when you have him, you look at other things that yeah. have happened around that with the same MO and stuff. Right. So it's funny that you said something about Slender Man because I, you know, a lot of the skeptics believe that it's like Slender Man, it's fake, mm-hmm. but it kind of grew on its own, you know, and maybe. People do experience something, but they just say it's Zozo then. Gotcha. And if you want to think about that idiometer thing that I talked about, Mm -hmm. like if you're doing it and then you're like, oh, my God, I wonder if we're going to get Zozo. And then your subconscious does Z-O-Z-O and then you're Mm -hmm. like, oh, fuck. And then it just like escalates from there. Mm -hmm. And though, if you want to like, okay, this is me. I think, yeah, that's probably how it is. But then I'm like... Or mm-hmm. do you open yourself up and so you're thinking it's Zozo, but it really is a different demon that you allow in with that energy. Like, you know, you're... Right. And he's like, yeah, I'm Zozo. Yeah. So anyway, I don't know. It's like chicken or egg. What came first? What's real? Right. I don't know. And that's... I'm really like 50-50 down the middle on most of this stuff. Like, it's not real, but it could be... Blah, 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 blah. Right. Which, again, people, please do not mess with the Ouija board if you aren't going to abide by the rules or you, you know, don't know really what you're doing. Right. Like, I would never just do it by myself or even just with Carrie. Like, uh-uh. I want someone who actually knows and appreciates the Ouija board. And, you know, like, it's not just a toy. Like, I would never just use it to, you know pass the time like it would actually be for research for the podcast <laughs> i'm serious who should i do next that's what it would be oh my god and then it'd be like you because you did mm-hmm. okay so another thing that skeptics hold on strong to is that they say that evans was a huge or is a huge led zeppelin fan and jimmy page who is the front man. He has something on his, like, guitar or something that's, like, Z-O-S-O. Mm. And they're, like, that he made Zozo up from the Z-O-S-O. Yeah. Or he subconsciously saw that and put that together. Or the lead singer of Led Zeppelin got that from something. Like, because what does it mean to that guy? He's never revealed what it means to him personally, but 
he, I want to say, like, he was into occultism and stuff, too. Mm -hmm. So, you're right. I mean, you never know what someone is motivated by or what has an effect on them. Mm -hmm. So, you're very true. And, I mean, Zozo has appeared before, like, in different things. So, you never know. And, like we said, there's so many things that doesn't have a name right you know so it's like just because it's not written down in a book doesn't mean that it's not real right nor does it mean that a freaking demon can't morph and change over time right well and i think another person it might be later in this but i know i read it that they said it zozo probably is multiple demons that over time, it is someone else who starts to do that. You know, like, mm-hmm. obviously, because they're going to know, like, I feel like we're in Supernatural. They watch the news. But, you know, like, okay, well, I don't know. Now I feel like we're in Beetlejuice and they're all waiting for, like, their number and shit. And it's like, oh, someone got called up for the Ouija board. You know, but, mm-hmm. like, I feel like... They know. They know how to manipulate. Absolutely. So. Which um, is why you don't provoke them and all those things. Yes. You know he's evil. You know that he can possess you. You know all of this. But how do you know it's Zozo that you're talking to? So there's some signs. But before that, I do want to make note. It says it's also important not to use a Ouija board if you are afraid of coming into contact with a Zozo or any demonic entity as they tend to prey on people's fear. Hmm. So again, you put that out and you're going to get what you're scared of. You know, just because that's what you're right. keep thinking and thinking and thinking. And again, you manifest that yourself. Right. So, here we go. Signs. Signs everywhere. There's signs. What song is that? Is that Beatles? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. So they say one thing is the mood and the temperature of the room may suddenly shift into coldness. Even if he doesn't directly reveal himself at first, he may continue to point to the letter Z and again, sometimes calls himself Zaza, Mama, like Obviously, he's a four-letter kind of guy. You know, how do we know it's a he then if he refers to himself as Mama? True. I don't know. You know what we're going to call him? The Z Demon. Oh, it's kind of like the French thing. Damn. <laughs> the Demon. Okay, sorry. The Dickhead. The Ghost Dick. <laughs> That's title of the thing. Again. Once he reveals himself, he will spell his name several times in a row. Like, a lot of times. Like, your hands are going to get tired. Like, almost in a figure eight based on where they... (laughs) No, but, like, think about where they are on the board. Yeah. You could make a figure eight going back and forth to the Z-O-Z-O. Yeah. Glass, especially mirrors, may break. Scratches may appear on the body of anyone in the residence, even if they're not participating with the Ouija board. So... All of those are little signs, which obviously, demonic entity, of course. Like, any of this could be for any... Right. Anything. But really, the Z-O-Z-O, the infinity sign, figure eight, that's a 
like that is go to goodbye, close it out. Yeah. Like remove watch, the planchette. Yeah, watch fucking Disney. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say Rugrats because apparently I'm still on them. Mm-mm. Oh, you know what? My sister texted me today and said that she listened to that episode. Um, because she was behind, and she said that she had the soundtrack on CD. Uh, remember, because I was like, I couldn't remember what she had. Yeah. Um, she told me what I said, and I was wrong. But she had the soundtrack on CD. Mm-hmm. Again, if you make a connection with him, immediate close, immediately close out your session by moving the planchette to goodbye. To be safe, no one involved should use a Ouija board anytime soon. And if at all possible... Vacate the space so he can't prey on any residual energy and stuff. Which is why you don't do it in your house. Right. I did read one, and it said sometimes he will follow you home, like you said, right on your shoulder. So I've read a little blurb, and it said... Two nights later, I heard my dogs growling in the bedroom where I sleep, and they are staring at the door. I got up to see what they were upset at, and when I turned on the lights in the adjoining family room, I saw the table. The glass was etched with something sharp from underneath, and there was no mistaking that the letter Z was in the etching. (gasps) Yeah. You can't get that shit out. I was going to say, can you use some shaving cream or something? I'm sorry, Ashley Furniture. Mm-hmm. I had a demon that etched in this. Uh, is that under warranty? Or I'd be like, sell this shit on eBay. Oh, true. Zozo was here. Oh, my God. Could you imagine? Zozo was here. 1994 was the year. <laughs> Damn. Do people still do that? I don't know. On bathroom stalls. In yearbooks. Oh, gosh. Yes. Do people even still write in yearbooks? Are yearbooks still a thing? I don't even know. No, I think they are. I think my nephews get them. Because I feel like kids are too cool now to write well, in yearbooks. It's digital. Yeah. They're like, text me. I'll just snap you. Oh, my God. I will never forget Dawson's Creek. There was this girl who was older. Her name was Gretchen. She was like Pacey's older sister or cousin or something. And I always love Pacey. But anyway. Me too. And again, of course, he gets a hot girl, and why would he want someone like, you know. Joey? Huh? Why would he want someone like Joey? No, he Joey gets Joey. Like, oh, okay. She she was, like, later on, definitely earlier. She I was, was going to say, she wasn't, like, she wasn't the hot girl at the beginning. Yeah. But anyway, so she was Pacey's cousin, sister, something, but older, and she was with Dawson. Then he got her yearbook. I mean, nope, vice versa. Bloop, 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 bloop. He got his yearbook, and she wrote in it, like, later, which, one, she doesn't even go here. I mean, do you (laughs) even go here? (laughs) Okay. If y'all know what that is, you are our people. But she wrote in, have a bitchin' summer. Ew. Like, wait, you're, like, old. (laughs) That's how I was in middle school. Yeah. Like, no one says that. And don't write a cuss word in my yearbook. (laughs) What if my kids want to look at it one day? I don't know. Is that that. what you did? No. (laughs) Oh, shit. But, like, have a bitch in summer. Like, oh, you're too old to date him. That's, that's, that was me. Yeah. So I was like, and even though I liked Pacey, but, of course, any guy, I'm like, you're not supposed to date him. Yeah. (laughs) God. He's going to marry me. (laughs) Which is why I'm single now. You're holding out for Pacey. (laughs) Yeah. 
Okay, I found another story, and it was called Losing Control. And this girl, April, she posted on Your Ghost Stories in 2012. She said she had recently moved in with her sister, and to celebrate, they had a few friends over. Of course, after a while, they're like, let's Ouija. You like how I just make that into a verb? hmm Everyone's doing it. So they wanted, like, just to ask about the afterlife. They've done it before, and nothing went wrong. Yeah. So they placed it on the table, and they're all, you know, got their little fingertips on the planchette in April. It's like, uh, is anyone there? The board replied, yes. Then they said, like, reveal yourself. And it's glided over to the Z and then the O. And then Z-O-Z-O-Z-O. And then they're like, okay, what do you want? And it replied, H-E-R. So then they're like, what do you mean by that? And it spelled out one of the names of her friend. And so... April was like, I was fucking freaked out. And then, like, after they, you know, it said the friend's name, it started spelling Z-O-Z-O-Z-O again. So then her other friend was like, ugh, why is it doing the same fucking letters, you know? Yeah. And so it got worse when she started cursing at it. Yeah. I mean... Hello. Zozo does the cussing himself. <laughs> yeah. There's only one badass here, bitch. So then shit got bad when she cursed at it. The planchette began feeling hot under their fingers. Ooh. And it then started spelling out M-A-M-A. And they all felt a presence in the room. The air was heavy. Something was wrong. April said she didn't feel like herself, and she felt like something was inside of her. Uh Uh-uh. She said she felt nothing but hatred and anger and began laughing and crying at the same time. Like, just couldn't, her body, like, couldn't handle all the emotions and everything. And she said that at that moment, they ended the Ouija board session, but that feeling just lingered on for weeks and weeks. Like, uh -uh. Mm uh-uh. No, thank you. Yeah. I got enough going on with me right now. I don't need someone else. Especially a demon. Yeah. And I'm already fucking hot as fuck all the time. Mm -hmm. My hands are hot. I do not need something warm in my fucking hands. Right. So in preparation for this, I listened to a podcast called Spectral Asylum Podcast. And it was their episode number five. And they kind of talked about Zozo and all that. Well, Laura, one of her, one of the co-hosts, uh-huh. Laura, her friend, and her boyfriend were messing around with the Ouija board. Like, this was just her kind of, she couldn't remember all the details, but mm-hmm. just kind of after this, like, well, I kind of had an experience, too. So, she said they asked if they were speaking to a demon, and the board, of course, said yes. And they asked if it wanted to hurt them, and it said yes. Then they asked who wanted who it wanted to hurt, and it said her boyfriend. Then they asked its name, and he said Satan. Then they asked him to show him a sign. No, they asked him to show them a sign, and all of a sudden her boyfriend's dog started, like, going fucking crazy. And the planchette started going back and forth between two letters and she couldn't remember what those letters were Mm -hmm. because this was back in the day yeah but 
again, that's how Zozo does. And it's right. just like really yeah. weird that it's when the dogs are barking and then it's going crazy. Yeah. So then they stopped, of course. They said, goodbye. <laughs> then the next day, they're like, we plan again. And she's like, yes, I know. We were stupid. Like, teenagers. We thought we were cool and got yeah. and all this shit. <laughs> so I literally put, they're teens. They dumb. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. So they were asking him who he liked best. And it kept moving to her. But she was laying on her side How's she doing that? Um, I don't think she was. Maybe she was just like the bookkeeper yeah. writing down the letters <laughs> so we knew what the words were. Mm-hmm. And so she said it kept moving to her. And she said the planchette was like kept touching her boob. Ew. Like, well, you did say he was flirty. Uh-huh. And I said basically giving her a titty tap. <laughs> oh, my God. He was. He made it to what? First base? Second base? Second base. I mean, get it, Zozo. Right? I mean, isn't kissing first base? I have no idea. I feel like. I mean, maybe that's like... Is holding hands first base? No. Kissing's first base? Uh-huh. Uh, sh- over, like, shirt shit, second. Uh-huh. Third base is, like, oral. oral. And then home runs sex? Yeah. We just figured that out, guys. <laughs> We're so good. <laughs> oh, gosh. While she's getting a titty tap, two of her posters fell down at the same time. So she was like, fuck it. We're done. Yeah. Um, Goodbye. Yeah. But later that night, they all had very weird dreams and continued to have them for a week or so. And she said that her and her best friend were speaking about it. And both of them, like, woke up from their bad dreams and looked at their curtains and they were both moving. (gasps) Damn. Yeah. How do they see their curtains at night? From the light? What light? Like, what light? <laughs> Something window Through wander. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Through yonder, not wander. <laughs> but, yeah, not everyone has blinds. Hell, I feel like in Houston, I could see everything because I had those tall-ass fucking... Yeah, but you had those open things. That's what I'm saying. But other people don't always close their thing, their curtains. Hell, you don't have curtains on your back door. That ain't my bedroom. Okay, so, like always, if my bedazzled boo has done anything with this... You gotta highlight it. I got to. Gotta holler at my boo. So, Darren was on there, and he it was fully about him and his experience, and he told him about Zozo and all this. It was season 10, and I read this on Darren's website. He said he had a lot of people who watched the episode write in emails saying that they were affected just watching it. <gasps> yeah. So, to start things off with this episode, they're like, all right, we're going to send this maintenance guy in who has had some experience there. I don't even remember why. Like, I watched this, of course. And so, they bring in the handyman, and they sit him on the stairs. And so, like, within seconds, he's like... Something is fucking brushing up against me on the stairs. Like, I'm outie. (laughs) I don't get paid enough for this shit. Damn. So then, of course, Zach has to go in. And then he, like, has a meter that... Mill something, Whatever. He has a meter. And it's, like, spiking between, like, two levels. And, of course, he's like, that's 
like Z O Z O, like yeah, you know, like going back and forth between that. So of course, like he has to, he's like fucking Rain Man over there with yeah. the fucking shit, like reading it like Morse code. Yeah, Z O D D D Z O. Oh God. Short, long, short, long, short, long. I don't know. Right. Meanwhile, you're in like an unair conditioned house, so it's B O B O B O. Oh God. <laughs> Good one though. <laughs> okay, so they've had like on this. I'm not going to go through the whole episode, but like they had definitely unexplained noises happening. They've seen. They saw like apparitions. Well, not apparitions. Like shadow people, basically, in a room the night after. They do their lockdown. Zach had, like, extremely disturbing dreams involving the demon. So, there's that. They actually had Darren and his girlfriend, who was at the house, who has done Mm -hmm. shit before. They had them. Him and Zach did the Ouija board, of course. Yeah. I'm like, uh, no. And I feel like if you think Zozo's that dangerous... Why would you do that, like, Darren-wise? Yeah. You know? Right. To kill your kid? Absolutely. Yeah. Like, uh-uh. So, they're doing it, and, like, of course, noise are, noises are answering when it's, give me a sign, blah, 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 blah. Zach feels icy cold chills, like we've said, that temperatures can change when Zozo's in the, in the building. They did get an EVP of... You're cold. I did not do it. Nick Groff, which Nick is one of the investigators. And, like, Nick felt surges of icy cold. Yeah. Shit going through his body. Energy, I couldn't think of it. Again, Zach felt it. And when they were using the Ouija board, the planchette, like, breaks during it. Oh, shit. Yeah. Okay, so here's where it gets kind of weird and kind of shady. So... Not to point fingers at anyone, but Darren's wife, who was his girlfriend at the time that they were in the house, she was pretty suspect. She just had weird vibes going on. Yeah. Um, And, like, she was almost in a trance, but not in a trance. Yeah. You know, like how Zach normally gets. It wasn't like that. It was just kind of spaced out. And then at one point, she just, like, leaves and goes somewhere. Then comes back. Her belt's undone, weird, and, like, so then she says she was sexually harassed by it, and it's just odd then. But then she's gone again, and so Zach is like, I'm going to go find her. She might be, like, walking around in a daze, and she's, like, fragile and blah, 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 which, okay, but he doesn't even know the neighborhood or anything. Like, I don't know. Well, so then Darren comes back, like comes outside, he meets him, and he's like, I took her, she wasn't feeling well, and I took her back to the hotel. What? I was like, when did this fucking happen? Like, I feel like you were just in there. That felt like they're probably hiding something. Like, the crew and all that, like, just with the story, like, they know where she went and they're hiding something. Yeah. I mean, who knows what it is? It could fucking be anything. Yeah. It was just, I don't know, it felt so, like, not genuine, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, I felt like Darren, again, I I really feel like something happened with the Ouija board in him. And he, I mean, this is his life now, talking about mm-hmm. Zozo and 
doing the shit. So I get like he's probably playing it up more. Yes. To be this. Do I think he had a experience? Yeah. I I do. Did he know it was going to lead into this? No, but now it has, and so he has to, like, He's riding the wave, yeah. yeah. Perpetuated or whatever, but I don't know. It was very weird. Was that house haunted? Or, honestly, I feel like even if it's not Zozo with him, or it is, I feel like it's attached to him more so than, like, a Ouija board. So, other than their fucking odd behavior... Everyone in the room smelled a very foul smell. It wasn't sulfur, but it was like, like shit. Like, I mean, it was like nasty. Yeah. Again, Zach becomes very lethargic and goes into a daze. And is aggressive. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. No, he's actually not aggressive this time. They did have some equipment malfunctioning, like the microphone upstairs began to receive interference. And at the same time it received interference, the neighbor's dog started howling. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Or it could have been interference from the howling. Who knows? Or it could have been like a fucking high-pitched whistle or something yeah. that made both <laughs> go off. Oh, my God. All I can think about is that fucking episode of let's not meet about the person who whistles and when you said that like literally i could hear that whistle again and it chills me to the fucking bone i had to put let's not meet on a hold a holding (laughs) pattern because it's too fucking scary it is so good so creepy but some of those like literally it was during the day i know and i got out and i was like was that fucking whistling like, mm-hmm. oh, my God. Like, I heard it, and then I was like, oh, time to just go inside. <laughs> yeah, I have so many of those to listen to because they're fucking scary. Yes. So, on the Ouija board, they got Zozo about 20 fucking times. Mm-hmm. Yes, like six times. So, you know, as they mm-hmm. answered, they had no Nick, goodbye, ha-ha, Kill, and then finally, goodbye. Did they spell kill (laughs) K-I-L? He wasn't cool like me, okay? But also, Zach wasn't the only one who was overcome and affected by the demon. Nick, the other guy, he also was affected and kind of had a negative effect on him. And also, Darren, when he's using the Ouija board, he seemingly goes into kind of a trance Hmm. While they're doing it, like, with the planchette, and then, like, he snaps out of it. And he was, like, mumbling, like, meaningless jargon Mm -hmm. while he was in that trance. Like. Damn. Or he could have been falling asleep. Who knows? Um, (laughs) I hear that, but. (laughs) But one thing I found on his website that I was like, mm, Okay. It said, it seems like when you know about Zozo, you're more susceptible to his power. So, with that, he can't get you from, like, just thinking about him. Maybe if you call him Zazo, but... Zazu. Zazu, sorry. But, do yourself a favor, do not play with Ouija boards after listening to this episode. Donna, you always do this shit to us. (laughs) I mean... Fucking Robert... Fucking black-eyed kids. <laughs> fucking that stupid painting last week. Oh, God. Now painting. this shit. 
Painting was two weeks ago, though, but okay. Same thing. Either way, <laughs> stop that. <laughs> right? Look, I got so scared because I typed Zozo so much, I saved it as Z-Demon. For real. Damn. I got nervous. Like, I didn't want it to be the saved document. Yeah. Thing. I'm so weird. Oh, my God. But that is what it is. That wraps up my Ouija board shit. Extravaganza. Extravaganza. Well, that's good, but now I'm doomed. <laughs> and now, so are all the listeners. Now we have to play the Ouija. No, the fuck we don't. You just told me not to. Not right now. You just said don't. Not right now. I mean, like, now as in later. <laughs> <laughs> and oh now my and God. later. Yes. Do they still make this? Mm-hmm. Y'all, those the grape were so ones. good. Ooh. Mm. You don't like grape. I love grape. Yeah, no, no, no. But the strawberry ones or the cherry ones, oh, mm. yes. My mouth just watered thinking this cherry ones. <laughs> oh, my God. So good. Okay. Well, that is it. All right. You ready? I am ready. New story, who dis? <laughs> okay. Have you ever heard of Ruby Ridge? No, and I can't say that name. And Randall Claude Weaver. Damn, these names, what did you say? You Googled W's and R's? I said, what are the hardest things for Donna to say? (laughs) Let me choose that story. Yes. Okay, so Randall Claude Weaver, he was born January 3rd, 1948 in Villisca, Iowa. Hey! Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, sorry. He was one of four children born to Clarence and Wilma. He was their only boy. He grew up in a very religious household. And, like, at the age of 11, he formally accepted Jesus into his life. He graduated from high school in 1966 and then went to Iowa Central Community College, where he met Vicki Jordison, who would later become his wife. Okay. She also grew up in a very strict religious household. So they had sex between a sheet? Yeah, with a hole. A glory <laughs> hole. <laughs> So, he cut his time at college short and dropped out so that he could join the Army. He was really good at the military. Like, he's good with strict, you know? Uh Like, he's good with rules and all that. Like, he was so good, he became a Green Beret. Dang. And he served for three years. When he left the military in 1971, he went back to Iowa. And then murdered that family that I talked about? No. (laughs) okay so they got married in november of 1971 and then they moved to cedar falls iowa randy was gonna go to back to college and he wanted because he wanted to work in law enforcement but he ended up instead of going into law enforcement he got a job at the john deere tractor factory she thinks his tractor's sexy Mm -hmm. it really turns her on Mm -hmm. okay go ahead They had their first child, Sarah, who was born in 1976. And in 1978, Vicki started, she was reading a lot, and she read this book that started to kind of change their outlook on religion to a more still Christian-based, but apocalyptic view of the world. Oh, (laughs) fuck. Shit's gonna get real creepy. And what's so funny is that I had picked this story before we watched American Horror Story. Whoa. Uh Uh-huh. 
the book, it was by Hal Lindsey, and it's The Great Planet Earth, which applied the author's kind of interpretation of the Old Testament to current, well, again, this is in the 70s, but current situations. Yeah. And decided that we end were at times. the end of times. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler, they, we weren't. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was like nuclear holocaust. Uh-huh. And Armageddon and end of the world and Jesus was going to come back. That's the great news. But the planet would be violent and Christians are going to be persecuted and it's going to be called the Great Tribulation. You know, again, yeah. it's all these like Bible things. There's going to be the rapture. The true believers are going to join him in paradise. God being him. Uh-huh. Wait, well, paradise is also H E L L, where they K I L U. I don't know why I said that K so weird. K I L U. K I L U. Ricky and. That's that's their couple. That's how when I shipped them, that's their new couple name, Ricky, because it's Vicky and Randy. Oh, I was like, <laughs> yeah, Ricky, who's Ricky? <laughs> okay, Vicky and Randy started to tell some friends that they wanted to move, kind of out of this like worldly life. They wanted to go up on a mountaintop. They wanted to get rid of the you know get away from the government and yeah, be people and yeah, you know they wanted to be around. Hunters, good Christians like them. Yeah. And Vicky was, would always say, like, we've been having this vision. Oh, Lord. We just have to sacrifice 20 version, versions. <laughs> Damn. 20 versions of virgins. <laughs> Different ethnicities. Those are the virgins. <laughs> of versions of the virgins. Some tall, oh some short, some skinny, some fat. Check. <laughs> okay, so again, Vicky's into this reading, and she's trying to figure out, like, when the world's going to end. So she starts reading a book called Atlas Shrugged, and it's a novel. Hey, yeah, I've read that. Really? Yeah. A warning about the dangers of the all-powerful state and the, like, stories of H.G. Wells and, again, Full of themes like Armageddon, Judgment Day. Yeah. It's like the rapture, the Lord's coming back yeah. kind of thing. So she and Randy started meeting with other Christians in the Cedar Falls area that were, again, radical, starting to kind of tiptoe on that radicalness. Like radical fundamentalist or yeah. something. And again, they're very into like the Old Testament and so they, you know, she was really like her, she had like the King James version of the Bible. And it yeah. was like, you know, she would, they would get lessons from the Old Testament, such as don't eat unclean meat, such right. as poik or poik, <laughs> poik and oysters, <laughs> pork and oysters. You can eat pork, but don't poik your wife. <laughs> oh my God. Unless it's through a sheet <laughs> with a glory hole. Okay. But then they also did, they were kind of into the New Testament a little bit because apparently in Matthew 24, the passage said, then let them which be in Judea flee to the mountains. And so she was like, I told you we have to move to the mountains, right? So they kind of were. Again, cherry pick what they want. We're Old Testament. Oh, the New Testament has this? (laughs) That's true. Yeah. I just have to read this sentence that I got from the whatever. 
They adopted a conspiratorial worldview that li- that linked Jews to the Illuminati, Masons, and the Trilateral Commission. So Randy started being very fundamental, very like prepper. Yeah. Okay. He started sleeping with a flak jacket, which I think is the one with all the pockets. Yeah. Okay. I'm clearly not a prepper. He had his loaded gun under his pillow. Like, I'm sorry. Uh, that would be Princess on the fucking P for me, because I'd be like, ugh, I can't get I know, comfortable. I know. Ugh. Yes. Okay. So he, he said in this, he, like, he did an interview with a reporter for a Waterloo paper, and he said that he planned to build a house in the woods with a defensible 300-yard, quote, kill zone around its perimeter. And that, like, so Randy and Vicky just were just, again, increasingly more radical, more secluded, getting away from mainstream. So in 1983, they decided to leave Iowa for good. Well, good riddance. So that was, like, September 6, 1983. They found quote from Vicky, just what the Lord showed, like what their new mm-hmm. home quote would look like. It was like this hilltop with lots of boulders, really beautiful property. Some stuff I had, I found varying accounts of how big the property was. Like some stuff said seven acres, some stuff said 13 acres, some 15 acres. Yeah. But it so was a lot. It was a big piece of property. This says this one thing said where I saw that they paid for that 15 acres. Isn't that crazy? Wow. So they started, they bought the land. They started making plans to build their cabin. Well, in 1984, Randy Weaver is his name, you remember. His neighbor, Terry Kennison, they started having a dispute about the land deal. And, um... It was a dispute about $3,000. Oh, Lord. So. I mean, that is half of what he bought it for. Yeah, but so Kennison basically was saying that he owed more money than he, saying that he owed the $3,000. Randy Weaver's like, no, the fuck I don't. And so they went to court. Get receipts, people. Get receipts. Right. So they went to court. Kennison lost. And so he had to pay. I may have been wrong about who thought who owed money. Anyway, basically. Kennison lost. He was ordered to pay Weaver an additional $2,100 in court costs and damages. So, Kennison's like, I'll fucking show you. Oh, fuck. He wrote a letter to the FBI, the Secret Service, and the county sheriff saying that Randy Weaver had threatened to kill the Pope, the President, and John V. Evans, who at the time was the governor of Idaho. Damn. So, in January of 85, the police and the Secret Service start investigating Randy because, you know, this guy's saying that he made fucking threats against the president. Like, that's a big fucking deal. Yeah. Which, now I feel like they would also look at that guy, guy too. Mm -hmm. They would already know these people. Right. Nowadays. But, so... On February 12th, Randy and Vicky were both interviewed by two FBI agents, two Secret Service agents, the Boundary County Sheriff, and the Chief Investigator. To him. I hope they had water. So, <laughs> shit. That's a lot of fucking talking. Well, they were probably like, plead the fifth, plead the fifth. Well, so the Secret Service said that they had heard 
that the Weavers were part of the Aryan Nation. Oh, Ferk. Yeah, we're getting into some serious white supremacy shit. And that they had a large collection of weapons at the residence. Well, he was talking about a 300-yard kill yeah. zone or whatever. And starting feet. to become radical and the chosen people kind of yeah. thing. Well, Weaver was like, no the fuck I don't. And so no charges were filed. I don't know. They didn't look at the property. I, I don't I know. I mean, of course. Yeah. That's how it always is. In the investigation, though, it was noted that he was, Weaver, uh, Randy, was associated with Frank Kumnik, who was also part of the Aryan Nation. Oh, gosh. So Weaver was like, but look, I'm not, Frank's not, neither one of us are up in that damn Aryan Nation things. And he said, Kumnik, Frank, was at, is actually in the covenant sword and arm of the Lord. So I was like, well, what the fuck is that? Yeah. Okay. So I'm just going to give you a quick little, like, synopsis that I found on, you know, Wikipedia. What I found of it is that it's a far right-winged terrorist organization that is that uses Christian identity kind of ideolog- I whatever that word is I'm trying to say, and survivalism during the 1970s and early 80s. And so... It was developed from a Baptist congregation called some church some church words I don't know Zarephath Horeb Community Co- Church I don't know I don't know Community what College Community College <laughs> blah blah stuff you don't really have to know they had a large compound in northern Arkansas called the farm well that's original mm-hmm. and eight, 19, April eighteen eighty five when I was born. Law enforcement officers started investigating the group for weapons violation and terrorist acts. They carried out a siege on the compound. Peaceful resolution. They arrested and convicted the top leaders and the organization dissolved. Wow. I will say that, you know, again, very like Aryan Brotherhood in that, like, there's a high priest and a blah, blah, blah. blah. A grand poobah. Yeah. Okay. So, just like a kind of conspiracy type theory type thing the covenant the sword and the arm of the lord that's also known as the csa they are possibly little asterisks don't Mm -hmm. sue us tied to the oklahoma city bombing oh fuck because it was tied to the quote new day teaching of the lom city really Okay, so it says that, like, of course, there's not proof. Timothy McVeigh had no association with the CSA, and but he had, like, just joined the Army when the compound was besieged and completely broken up, everybody arrested. Mm-hmm. But the Oklahoma City bombing occurred exactly on the 10-year anniversary of the start of the siege of the CSA compound. Mm-hmm. And if you remember that Timothy McVeigh was part of the protests at Waco. Oh, yeah. So, which was happened like two years before yeah. the Oklahoma City bombing. Richard Wayne Snell, who was one of the head-ups of the CSA, he was also es- executed on the day of the bombing and had planned a similar attack that was supposed to be carried out on, in 1983 
on the IRS. Whoa. Which is what the Oklahoma City bombing was. And so it's like Timothy McVeigh, when he was out of the Army, is when he became active at gun shows. And again, well, I got ahead of myself, but, you know, the he was an advocate at the Branch Davidian compound in Waco and and all of that. And so it's just there's if you you could go into a really deep dive of conspiracy theory and all of that with this. Whoa. Yeah. So I just had to do that little caveat of it may not actually be connected and it's all a crock of shit, but it's just really weird. Like the timelines. Yeah. The pieces do fall into place. The similarities. Yeah. Back to the story. Rainy Weaver's like, um, Frank, Kumnik and I are not in the Aryan nation. He is in the Covenant Sword and Army of the Lord or Arm of the Lord. So on February 28th, 1985, Randy and Vicky filed an affidavit at the courthouse saying that their personal em- enemies were plotting to provoke the FBI into attacking and killing the Weaver family. They're talking about the Kennison guy. Yeah. On May 6th, same year, 85, a really great year. Donna and I were <laughs> both born. You're welcome. Um, no, just kidding. <laughs> Randy and Vicky sent a letter to Ronald Reagan, president at the time, and said that Weaver's enemies sent the president a threatening letter under forged signature. Oh, my God. But there's no evidence of a letter, like, ever being sent to the president. Yeah. Like, other than the one they sent. You know, like, yeah. say, like the original letter that they're saying was forged mm-hmm. was never found. So, of course, this, you know, in the 80s when it's like the Aryan nation is kind of coming to fruition, there's splinter groups that break off. Like, the Order was one of the splinter groups that was, you know, a high criminal organization like bank robberies, armored car robberies, synagogue bombings, murders. You know, they even killed a radio host in Denver named Alan Berg because he was Jewish. What the hell? Yeah. But even though that they had indicted and prosecuted a lot of the order members, which were a subsect of the Aryan Mm -hmm. nation, or a splinter group, I guess I should say, there were still bombings happening in federal buildings and stuff. And so they were like, okay, we got to figure out what the fuck is going on. So the government had an informant in the Aryan nations. Oh, shit. So at this World Aryan Congress that they had, there was the informant that I told you about, Kenneth Fatally. He went by the alias Gus. <laughs> it's, it's Gus Maganzono, but you know I suck with saying names. So, but his fake name is Gus. He said uh, Gus. 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 <laughs> so he met Randy Weaver a few times over the next three years. This poor dude was like. Oh, wait, never mind. I was thinking he was in deep cover. Like, I was thinking he was a undercover, but he was an informant. But Yeah. So, they met a few times. In October of 89, Gus Gus had a conversation with Randy, and Randy was like, you know, kind of foreshadowing the foreskin uh-huh. of a war among the Soviet Union, like, mm. like with the Soviet Union. Yeah. And just talked about how, like, the world's going down the tubes and, you know, God and guns, you know. And right. so Weaver said that he would sell Gus Gus a sawed-off shotgun. Oh, yeah. They're on the up and up here, peeps. Mm-hmm. Gus says that Randy's the one that proposed the deal. Randy was like, uh, it was the other way around. But 
either way, two weeks later at a city park, Weaver, Randy, I'm sorry, I keep going back and forth. Randy gave Gus Gus two shotguns sawed five inches shorter than the federal law allowed. Do you know why, like, what that does to the shotguns to make them worse? Mm-mm. I should have texted somebody before this, before I did this, because I don't, I don't, I don't know if it makes it more powerful, because you would think it wouldn't, though, because you yeah. think that going through the barrel would make the bullet, like, shoop, 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 yeah. go faster, you know? <laughs> but anyway, okay. In June of 1990... Two F A F. God dang it! I cannot say that ATF, which here in America is the um, what is it? The American uh, ATF. American? No, it's something with arms, something and something. Yeah. <laughs> Firearms. Yeah, it's hang on. Association. No, no, it's the ATF is the the government. Yeah. Shit. Uh. Yeah. Okay. Duh. Guide. The Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Three God-given rights. Yeah. Just kidding. Um, okay. So the ATF was like, yo, Weaver, we got good evidence that you violated federal gun laws. And they were like, we're going to give you a deal, though. You become an informant on the Aryan Nation, and we'll drop your gun charge. Weaver was like, um, a fuck you. Yeah. You can all fucking go to hell. Like, literally, he was like, you can go to hell. <laughs> and so he went back to the cabin that night because, you know, him and Vicky had made their little cabin, made their little life on the hill. Mm-hmm. And they wrote a letter to, quote, Aryan nations and all our brethren of the Anglo-Saxon race. <laughs> God. To warn them that ATF agents were... On the lookout, trying to find snitches, but they're like, snitches get stitches. Mm-hmm. Fuck that. And so they, the ATF issued a warrant for the arrest of Randy Weaver. Okay. So knowing that the warrant and all that had come up, come about, Vicki filed an affidavit with the county clerk giving, quote, legal notice that we believe we may have to defend ourselves and our family from physical attacks on our lives, end oh quote, my God. by the federal government ATF agents. Oh, wait, sorry. By the federal government. So the ATF agents were like, uh, okay, well, they filed this notice, like, basically saying, if we come on their compound, we yeah. don't fucking die. So they're like, okay, we can't, like, just go there. Avi, the ATF was like, um... We will fucking get murdered if yeah. we step on the property. They've already filed the affidavit saying, like, they're ready to go down in a blaze of glory kind of thing. Like, okay, we got to arrest him to serve this warrant, but we're not just going to show up on his property. So what they did was they were like, okay, we're going to pose as people on the side of the road whose car's broken down. <laughs> and they'll stop to help because they'll think they're neighborly or some shit. And... Arrest them. So. Hopefully they're white because they ain't going to help anyone else besides their Anglo-Saxon brethren. Mm -hmm. It must have been. So it worked. Yeah. They pulled over to help them. They arrested them. They killed them with their love. Uh Uh-huh. They were like, we were just trying to be fucking nice. I ain't never been a good Samaritan again. (laughs) So they arrested them. And of course, the Weavers were like, yeah, they pled not guilty. They released them on $10,000 bond and set a court date for February, February 20th, 1991. 
Ain't never going to make it to that day. Well, here's what had happened was. Oh, shit. I will say, though, that one thing I saw said that the letter, like, or that the court date was set for February 20th. But the other thing, this one of those other articles says that it was set for February 19th. Mm. So in January, the judge assigned an attorney for the Weavers. And so on that same day, Randy Weaver calls the U.S. probation officer, Carl Richens, who told him, like, that he had been instructed to contact. Yeah. And Richens was like, the parole, the probation officer, or parole, whatever the fuck it is, was like, um, I don't have your case file, so I don't know why you're contacting me, so I'll just contact you back when I get your, when I get your case file, and yeah. we'll get it all organized. Well, Weaver didn't, Randy didn't give him his phone number. Oh, Lord. And so... So the new defense attorney, Hoffmeister, sent letters to Randy. Hoffmeister. Yeah. His attorney sent him letters on January 19th, January 30th, and February 5th asking Randy to contact him so they could start working on his defense. Yeah. This is where I got, this is where I fucked up on the dates. I'm sorry. So at the beginning of February, they changed his trial date from the 19th to the 20th. Okay. That's where I'm fucked up. I'm sorry. So, because it was right around a federal holiday, and so they were trying to give people more time to travel, get whatever, yeah. federal, federal holiday, blah, 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 blah. So, the change in date was sent to all parties involved, but it was never sent directly to Randy. It was sent to Randy's attorney. Oh. Well, Randy's not fucking answering his attorney. Yeah. So, he never got it. So, on February 7th, the probation officer sent Randy a letter stating that he now had the case file and he needed to talk to him. But that letter said that the trial was on March 20th. Oh, It was fuck. a misprint. It, they mistyped. Yeah. And said it was set for March 20th instead of February 20th. So, again, you know, the attorney's still trying to get in contact with him. Like, you need to contact me immediately. Yeah. Called him several times. Sent him letters. Never told, never called him back. Yeah. And so the attorney was like, look, I can't, I can't get in touch with him. You know, told the judge, like, look, I can't get in touch with him. He's gotten these letters, whatever. And so, ain't nobody going to go to their house? Cause but they, no, they've spelled out an affidavit thing. Yeah. They're going to be shooting. So on February 20th, the judge issued a bench warrant for his arrest because he didn't fucking come to court. Yeah. Because the only letter that we n- know quote, no, that he got was the one that said March 20th. Yeah. So he got a bench warrant for failure to appear. So even though, because one of the kind of, one of the local news media outlets, like, was actually kind of the one that put the pieces together that the date was wrong on the letter. And so they had contacted the chief probation officer and, like, all the U.S. Marshals, Weaver's attorney, all of them saying that, like, look, this letter was had the wrong date, like, yeah. he didn't just not show up. Well, the judge refused to withdraw the bench warrant. Well, honestly, though, he could have opened the other letters if he opened that one. Yeah. And had it, or contacted but that's his not, lawyer. But that's not how our legal system works. No, it's a technicality, and so... I know. Whatever. So, the U.S. Marshals were like, well, if he's not going to take the bench warrant off, we're not going to wait until after March 20th to see if he's going to show up. We're going to go get him now. 
So if he would have shown, okay, if the U.S. Marshals would have waited to see if he showed up on the twenty March 20th, mm-hmm. all of that would have been dropped. All of the bench warrant, all of that would have been dropped. But instead of waiting to see if he showed up, they were like, we got to um, execute this, sir, this bench warrant. Yeah. So it's just like, but they'd have just fucking waited 30 days. Yeah. I mean, where's he going? You know, you know, he's not leaving his fucking compound. So, so this is all happening in 1991, but he did have another kid in 19. So they had, again, I feel like this is a Bible name. I don't know how to spell. It's like Elijah, but it's like Alicia and Elijah and Reba had a baby. And it's Alicia. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. So, just, I have to read these words because it cracked me up, this article. It said, the Weaver household grew in 1990 with a delivery in their birthing shed. Oh, a skirt? Yeah. (laughs) Of their baby girl named, Bible name. Um, (laughs) I don't know, that shit's hard. Those are hard names to pronounce, and I just don't have the energy to If it's not Jebediah, I don't know. Okay, so they had Sarah, who's 15, Sammy, who was 13, Rachel, 9, and now the little baby. Um, Bible name. Yeah. They also had a teen that lived there. His name was Kevin Harris. He was the kid that had had a pretty terrible past and came to live with them for a little while, you know. Uh-huh. So the marshals are like, okay, we got to execute this warrant, but there's kids there. We know they're going to be, like, ready to roll. We got to figure this out. So in order to prepare for this kind of takedown or arrest for the warrant, they had established special, like, rules of engagement mm-hmm. that were drafted, like, F- at the FBI headquarters and by the marshals. Damn. The area in which they lived, they called it Ruby Ridge, which is why. Oh, okay. okay. So it was the rules of engagement for Ruby Ridge. You know what? You said that name at the very beginning, and I haven't even asked why you didn't bring that up. Okay. So there are four rules of engagement. One, if any adult in the area of the cabin is observed with a weapon after the surrender announcement has been made, deadly force could and should be used to neutralize the individual. Two, if any adult male is observed with a weapon prior to the announcement... Deadly force can and should be employed if the shot could be taken without endangering any children. Three, if compromised by any dog, the dog can be taken out. No! Four, any subjects other than Randy Weaver, Vicki Weaver, and Kevin Harris presenting threat of death or grievous bodily harm, FBI rules of deadly force apply. Deadly force can be utilized to prevent the death or grievous bodily harm to oneself or that of another. Damn. Mm-hmm. Shit's about to get real. So there was some communication that, like, changing it to adult instead of adult male excluded Vicky. And so it was just like a basically said, like, so the FBI's rules of engagement Two, our agents are not to use deadly force against any person except as necessary in self-defense or the defense of another when they have reason to believe that they or another are in danger of death or grievous bodily harm. Whenever feasible, verbal warning should be given before deadly force is applied. 
So clearly the rules of engagement that they adopted for the Ruby Ridge is way more fucking aggressive yes. than the FBI's, you know, rules for deadly force. Yeah. Even though they said like, okay, we're going to use the FBI's. Randy said that the feds were more concerned about, quote, shutting our mouths than they were about shotguns. So he claimed that he wasn't Aryan. He wasn't a Nazi. They were they were just people who came to Idaho to escape religious persecution. They just happened to write a letter to the Aryan nation and right, their right, brethren right, right. of so, Anglo-Saxon descent. Mm-hmm. So on August 21st, 1992, six marshals go into the Weaver property on Ruby, Ruby Ridge to scout out positions for an undercover plan. To capture them. Okay. It was 1045 in the morning, and they were close to the end of the operation to scout out the places when three of the marshals were moving back down the mountain to go, like, to meet back up. Around that time, the Weaver's dog, who was a yellow lab named Stryker. Oh, no. Got a whiff of them. Was like, what's that? You know? And so he he runs down to see what's happening and is barking, freaking out. And so the Weaver's son, Sammy and Kevin Harris are like, what the fuck is that? They were like, Ooh, you know, one of the sources said that they were like, Ooh, maybe the dog saw some like meat, like a deer or some shit run by. And that's why he's freaking out because they were out of meat in the house. Cause they uh, like were like, they lived off the, yeah. Lived off the land. Yeah. And so they were like, yes, let's go, let's go investigate. Let's go see what's going on. And so as the dog closed in on the three marshals who were coming down the hills, uh, the hill, there's only one, <laughs> um, the dog got, well, there were, there were three marshals, like I said, Arthur Roderick, Larry Cooper, and then Bill Deegan. The, the dog had Larry Cooper cornered. So Kevin Harris comes up behind the dog and Larry Copper stands up and shouts, back off, U.S. Marshals. Seconds later, from behind a stump, Billy Deegan rises and gets on a knee and is I'm like... I'm sorry. All I can picture is, like, whack-a-mole. Yeah, like the little shoot 'em shoot 'em games. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But Deegan comes up and he's like, freeze, U.S. Marshals. That's when the shots begin. Oh, fuck. There's still no consensus over who fired the first shot. Was oh, it... God. The Weavers, or was it the Marshals? Yeah. The government story is that Harris, the Kevin Harris, the friend that was mm-hmm. staying with him, was the first to fire, and he shot Billy Deegan in the chest and killed him. Oh. The Marshal. So Cooper did two three round bursts at Kevin and missed him. Meanwhile, the other guy. Arthur Roderick, like, is down the path a little bit in his location. And so he's worried that the dog's going to give his position away. So he mm-hmm. shoots and kills Stryker. Oh, the dog. No. I know, I know, I know, I know. What the government story leaves out and cannot explain is how in the fuck their 13-year-old son, Sammy, ended up dead with a bullet in his back. Oh, fuck. Yeah. They said that, according to the marshals, they had no idea that Sammy was even killed and that it wasn't until days later his body was found 
in the birthing shed. Oh, shit. Yeah. It says that what they do know is that there were a lot of machine guns that were gathered up. And that, like, they said, okay, so Cooper said that Deegan never fired. But there were seven rounds missing from Deegan's gun. So, Kevin Harris said that a very different story. He says that Roderick shot the dog and Sammy was like, you killed my dog, you son of a bitch. Like, quote. Yeah. And began firing at the marshal who opened up his can of whip ass with the with the guns. Yeah. And Kevin said that he, the only reason why he fired on Deegan was to protect Sammy, but it was too late. So, of course, it you know, it gets out to the FBI that a marshal's down. And so the very next morning on August 22nd, snipers were told again, like they were in place and told like, you see someone with a, with a weapon, you can and should take them out. Yeah. Use deadly force. Okay. At this point, snipers are in place. Snipers. Snipers in the she shed. (laughs) Excuse me, the birthing shed. The birthing shed. Okay, so snipers are in place. They're shoot to kill, kill them all kind of thing. Randy, Sarah, and Kevin leave the cabin to go visit Sammy's body. God bless When it. they get the shed door, when they get to the shed door is when one of the snipers shoots to take Randy out. Fuck. Well, he misses and hits him in the arm. So after he's shot, the three run back in the cabin. So, Vicky opens the door as her husband and oldest daughter are followed by Kevin. Yeah. And they, like, dove in. And, like, shots continued. So, there was another, like, as they dove in, another shot rang out. Mm. Inside the cabin, you could hear them screaming. Oh, fuck. Um, What they didn't know, and they wouldn't find out for days, is that Vicky had been shot in the brain and it went through her brain and lodged in the arm of Kevin Harris. Oh my gosh. So three hours after the shooting, Kevin is like coughing up blood in agony, begging Randy to finish him off. And Randy's like, Kevin, I can't do that. Like I can't kill you. Oh my gosh. So negotiations went on for days Lots and lots and lots of right-winged protesters start gathering at Ruby Ridge. The negotiators didn't know that Vicky was dead. And so, again, it took day. De- you know, it wasn't until basically the end that they found that out. And so they were trying to use her as a negotiation oh, tactic, thinking that she was alive and thinking that it would be peaceful mm-hmm. by using Vicky. And it backfired. Like, one of the negotiators on day three said, Good morning, Miss Weaver. We had pancakes this morning. What did you have for breakfast? Why don't you send the children out for some pancakes, Miss Weaver? Oh, my God. And so the Weavers didn't know that they didn't know. And so the Weavers were like, fuck them. That's a cruel fucking joke. That is not okay. You know, and so they were like, fuck this. Kevin and Randy were like, okay, we're going to die. So, we're going to write a letter. So, they wrote a six-page letter about their side of the confrontation. More like a manifesto, but okay. Right. So, on August 28th, they finally started having a breakthrough on the standoff. We're on day seven. Holy fuck. 
Randy agreed to speak with Bo Gritz, who was a former Green Beret, but also was more right-winged like him. Yeah. And that guy was actually running for president on the Populist Party ticket. Oh, Lord. So, Gritz and two other friends succeeded on August 30th to convince Kevin Harris to surrender and receive medical treatment. Wow. So, stay nine. Holy fuck. The Weavers ended up surrendering the next day when Gritz promised that he would get defense attorney Jerry Spence because he was like this like famed defense attorney and they were like okay we're going to give him we're going to get you him you just just surrender yeah okay 10 days 10 wow. days and i'm just thinking of him with like that shot i know i know Kevin, i know gosh. been like eh, i'm done come on come and get me but even if what's her name vicky even if she was alive that's just wrong yeah, I it, mean, I know it is. Know well, how. they're trying to reach the mother, the yeah, you know, the mothering instinct in her. Yeah, to it's just, I guess, how you read it too, like knowing, yeah, that she's, that she's dead. dead. Yeah, but just that, like, instead of being like, don't you wish your kids could do like that would be better to me than we send, had this. Yeah, we had out. this, and that your kids out. Like, yeah, one that sounds like you're going to kill them. Yeah, be like a lead pancake. Oh, God. Okay. So, the Bo Gritz guy that's going to run for president, he, again, very right-winged, very, like, I'm going to use this as a new campaign issue. Oh, Lord. So, he told, yeah. so, he told his supporters, there's a bureaucrat up here that's guilty. Somebody is going to be brought to justice. I believe we're going to find some fat bureaucrat who authorized this to go down. Why are they going to be fat? I don't know. Then, the FBI's top agent at Ruby Ridge... Gene Glenn said that, quote, we are very sorry there are no winners in a situation with all of this sadness. Gosh. So after the surrender, the grand jury indicted Kevin Harris for the murder of Deputy Marshal Deegan and indicted Randy Weaver for aiding and abetting in Deegan's death. Whoa. So they both pled not guilty. And they were in jail for eight months waiting for trial. It was, of course, this really extensive trial. Well, hell, I can only imagine. Yeah. The The trial started on April 12th, 1993, one day after my birthday. The prosecutors, of course, were talking about, like, the shooting of Bill Deegan as cold-blooded murder. But then the defense, their opening, they talked of Sammy yelling, I'm coming, Dad. And then moments later being shot in the back. Oh, running my away. gosh. They said running away, running home. Oh, gosh. They talked about Kevin Harris being the fall guy, the government's botched handling of the standoff. So, there again, there was a lot of kind of back-and-forth testimony. Like, the marshal, Larry Cooper, was like, no, Larry Harris, I mean, um, what's-his-face, Harris, shot Bill Dingen, like, as soon as he stood up. Like, he identified himself, and he just shot him in cold blood. They said that the defense suggested that the that the marshals had silencers on their guns the whole time because that like scouting mission was actually mm. designed to kill the dog so that they could come in without the dog oh like gosh. notifying anybody 
And so, like, I feel like the, like, a lot kind of hint, not hinged on the dog, but I feel like it, like, there was some stuff, like, questioning as to the timeline of when the dog was shot versus Deegan versus, so was it even necessary to kill the, you know, it just, yeah. there was just some, there was a lot going on into that. But then there was a lot of talk about Vicky's letters to the government saying that, you know, just her, like, all her, all those, all that shit that they wrote. Okay. So they found 14 guns, including two loaded with armor-piercing bullets, 4,500 rounds of ammunition, all found, like, at the Ruby Ridge. Fuck. The prosecutors also played surveillance tapes showing the kids walking around with guns, like, protecting it. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, they showed that, like, in the surveillance video, Sammy had a gun on him, like, 80, 84% of the time. He said that, like, again, it went back to the dog, like, why'd you kill it? And, the, you know, it's like, well, I thought he was going to attack me and then also identify my location. And yeah. Again, a lot around the dog. So one of the most, like, anticipated witnesses was the sniper who shot Kevin Harris. Or, I'm sorry, who shot Randy Weaver. Well, and actually ended up being Kevin Harris, too, yeah. when it went through Vicky. Ten armed federal agents were in the courtroom for the testimony. Neo-Nazi groups had plastered over, like, all over the place, wanted dead or alive posters with the picture of the sniper. He talked about how he fired his first shot because he believed that Kevin Harris was positioning himself to shoot at an approaching helicopter. Mm. And so he just said that, like, when he sh- when he shot, too, he had no idea that, like, Vicky was right there and it would have, like, behind this curtain and it would have gone through. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I'm, I'm going, I'm taking out a lot. Mm-hmm. The closing arguments were on June 15th. Holy Hannah. Two months. Wow. Two months and three days. So, the jury deliberations lasted longer than any other in Idaho history. Fuck. The jury had eight separate charges to decide from failure to appear all the way to first degree murder. Yeah. On July 8th, the jury finally completed their deliberations. I'm eager to see what they did. They voted to acquit Kevin Harris on all charges. Hmm. And they acquitted Rady Weaver on all major charges. Weaver was convicted for failing to appear in court. So on October 18th, the judge sentenced Weaver to 18 months in jail, having served 14 already and with good behavior. He was out by Christmas. Holy Hannah. Mm-hmm. So following his release, he went back to Iowa with the baby daughter that I can't say and Rachel. They left Sarah in Des Moines to finish up her senior year of high school. There was, you know, there was a lot about the death of Vicki Weaver and did it violate the department's use of deadly force and, you know, it almost became like a folklore in right-winged extremists yeah. um, about, you know, whatever. Well, in 1985, 
the Weaver family brought a civil suit against the United States, and they settled with the government agreeing to pay $3.1 million in Holy compensation for the fuck. deaths of Vicki and Sammy Weaver. Five years later, Kevin Harris accepted a $380,000 settlement. Wow. Whoa. Okay. So in 1997, there were more developments. Oh, a new, shit. Yeah. A new inspection of the vicinity found the bullet that killed Sammy Weaver. The bullet came from Larry Cooper's gun. So the county filed involuntary manslaughter charges against the FBI agent. The judge ended up, like, they ended up moving it because they, they charged it on the, um, the his name was Lon um, Huichi. Huichi, that's the sniper. Okay. So that case was later moved. Let me just read that sentence because it's kind of confusing. So, okay. So the county prosecutor filed involuntary manslaughter charges against FBI agent Lon Hayuchi. He's the sniper. And murder charges later dropped against Kevin Harris. Hayuchi case was moved to federal court where the judge dismissed the charge on federal, federal preemption grounds so then the court of appeals overturned the decision and reinstated the charge in 2001 in 2001 yeah two weeks later the prosecutor dropped the charges against the sniper and according it says according to his friends the sniper continues to be haunted by the ghost of ruby ridge wow it says randy weaver at the time the charges were dropped against the sniper drove a Cadillac and a Harvey and lit Harvey. No, Harley lived on a quiet street in Jefferson, Iowa. He appeared at gun shows, signed copies of his 1998 book about the siege. Wow. Living his best fucking life. Mm-hmm. And his inscription when he signed it would be, quote, keep your powder dry. Yep. He continued with his radical separatism and anti-government beliefs. He changed his religious views, though. He said that religion's all a bunch of crap. In 2001, when he asked what he remembered about Ruby Ridge, he said, quote, There was no wind. The snowflakes were so big you could hear them when they hit the ground. The kids had three or four campgrounds around the land. They'd go out and build fires at night, and Vicky canned. She and the kids would pick huckleberries. She got top dollar because she picked clean. Or she'd trade a gallon of huckleberries for four quarts of peas. We sold firewood, me, Vicky, and the kids. Gosh. Yep. And so that's the story of the extremist, white, right winged, quasi neo Nazi, <laughs> quasi Aryan. Yeah. Ruby Ridge government siege. I don't know how I feel about it. I know. I know. It's one of those it's one it's another Waco. It's a it's pre Waco Waco. Which kinda make pisses me off that Waco even it, happened yeah. the way it did because did they not learn from this? Right. The government fucked up. Fucked yeah. up big. Fucked up big. Now, did they have reason to suspect and to be watching and to be arresting the Weavers? Absolutely. Yeah. They were selling illegal firearms. That is a federal charge. Yeah. You know, because I play an attorney on the podcast. <laughs> so they absolutely had rights or had was should have been looking at the Weavers. Yeah. However, the fallout was yeah. horrible. And the 
the whole situation, the whole the whole surveillance and all of that should have been handled very differently. Yeah. But you also have to remember what year it was. Yeah. You know, and they we didn't they didn't have the drones and the see-through shit and you know, all the stuff that we yeah. have now that would have they could have used thermal imaging and known that Vicky was standing behind know, whatever gosh. she was behind and she would have if this happened today she may not have died yeah. because they would have known everyone's position in the house Mm-mm-mm. if TV's real <laughs> you know right <laughs> so it's like i don't know you know it kind of this is a this could be a big 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 topic and we can kind of hold this for later another episode if we want to but you know it's it kind of goes to the malpractice thing we were talking about last episode and that you know you want officers who are put in these life and death situations to be able to defend themselves and to be protected Mm -hmm. and not have to fear being charged with murder for protecting themselves but on the flip side too we see all that's happening in the world today and all of these people who have been murdered yeah. by police officers. So it's like it's such a catch-22 because I'm so supportive of law enforcement and just yeah. our armed forces and all of that. Like all men and women in uniform, like I truly support them. Yes, and, so and thankful, thankful for what Yeah, they thankful do. for them putting their, their lives on the line every single day. There's always bad apples, though. Yeah. And so, unfortunately, you have to make the rules to protect against the bad apples. Mm-hmm. And so, same thing kind of with, like, the malpractice and all of that we talked about last week. It, it For the good guys, it does create anxiety for the people who, yeah. who are doing what they're supposed to do. Do you know, do you want a law enforcement officer— when they're making that split-second decision to pull the trigger or not, do you want them to have to think about, am I going to be arrested for this? Right. You know, and so it's like, it's such a catch-22, and I really hope I'm not offending anybody this because I am really not taking a stand on either thing. I'm just saying, I'm just showing both sides because I 100% believe that people should be protected and law enforcement officers who are being inappropriate need to be held accountable yeah definitely but i also want good law enforcement officers to be protected too yeah you know and they're not to be an assumption when shit goes down yeah that who was in the wrong because mm-hmm. i think some sides immediately assume that the person who was killed the quote criminal mm-hmm. is wrong before you know all the facts. And then some people immediately assume that the officer is in the wrong before you know all the facts. And so I guess my takeaway is know all the facts before you make a judgment. Yeah. Because in this case, I still don't know how I feel. Yeah, because also, like, I hate that he got shot in the back, too. Mm-hmm. However, it's still like, I mean, I would shoot someone if someone had been shooting at me and they turned around to run. I would still shoot him. Well, and you also don't know the situation where, okay, so let's say that you and I are up on the hill as we're scouting this out, and he's shooting at me and then turns to run towards you. Yeah. Well, then I'm protecting you, so I shoot him, and it, but it's in the back. Yeah. Or he's been firing at me, and he's running to take cover to shoot again. Yeah. 
well, I'm still shooting at him because he's taking cover to shoot me again. Yeah. You know, and so it's like. You have to be able to take your shot. When you can take take your shot. But again, we don't, like, we don't know the situation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And there's so many variables. And and especially, too, again, the time of Mm -hmm. when this happened, again, with the technology and the body cams and the, you know, you send in robots and shit. I mean, they would have sent in drones or robots to scope yeah. this out and not three marshals who were trying to catch up with three other ones. You know? Right. And so they would have had satellite imaging of the mm-hmm. Ruby Ridge and all of these different things. And so it's like, you can't. I feel like you almost can't fault either side for doing what they did with the knowledge that they had at the time. Yeah. Because they... They didn't have all the facts. Yeah. And at the same time, if you think about it, if they hadn't have done this, which I don't like, yeah. I don't wish it had happened at all. But if they didn't do this and then they killed, like had a mass murder with all those guns that they had, mm-hmm. then people would be like, why didn't you step in sooner? Why didn't you do more to do this? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, after the fact, it's always, like, I don't care what you had to go to. Yeah. You know, what you lengths you had to do yeah. it, do it. Yeah. But then when they do do it before, yep. it's the bad thing. But it's, right. like, it could have prevented a mass murder. It could have prevented another Oklahoma City. Yeah. Or a pre-Oklahoma City. Yeah. Which, again, I'm not saying that it was a good thing that it happened or and whatever. And you're not saying that inappropriate by inappropriate means yeah i'm just saying that other you know like the i don't know it's just so hard i guess the takeaway number one what did we learn number one know all the facts before you make a decision yeah because hard i feel like especially and on obscura podcast Uh which is so good i'm on the last episode that i'm called up and i'm sad um (laughs) but on Obscura, he does an episode of right-winged a couple who's very extremist, right-wing, kills police officers, shoots wow. up a CC's and a Walmart and whatever. Fuck. And they were promoted. It's not really the word I want to use, but they were encouraged by what we now call fake news. And he talks a lot about in that episode. It's really good. I wish I knew which one it was. But it's a male and a female, like, couple that he talks about. And that's their names inside. Anyway, he talks a lot about, I forget what it was called back then before we started calling it fake news. But propaganda? it's Propaganda? Like, it, that's not what he called it. But basically, yes, it's, it's propaganda where you choose these salacious headlines to rile people up mm-hmm. when it's not true. And it's, and you see it all the time on Facebook and you see it all the time in both right-wing and left-wing extremists. Yeah. Because, again, any version of extreme is bad. Yeah. And so that couple was so incensed by those, those that media, and it's what perpetuated their involvement in this right-wing whatever. And I feel like that's also what happened in this case with not only – them kind of falling into the Aryan slash neo-Nazi slash whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but also what happened after the standoff, because then all it did was fuel the fire yeah. for the right-wing extremists 
who then used Ruby Ridge to, you know, and then used Waco and then used Oklahoma City and then used all these things to develop these just this propaganda. Yeah. And so I think that's my know all the facts and also know the news outlets from which you're getting your information. Yeah. Is it salacious news? And does the story match up with the headline? Mm-hmm. And are you just reading the headline? Right. Because that is not the story. Right. It's a headline to grab your attention. Mm-hmm. It's not the whole story. And usually it has n- it's not the story at all. Yeah, it's when clickbait. It's, exactly. So I guess know the facts. But if you are an extremist in either way, right or left, you're not. You say facts, fuck them. Yeah. Just like the Homance Chronicles. Exactly. Okay. Number two. Don't fuck with shit. <laughs> don't fuck with the government. Don't fuck with extremists. Don't fuck with a Ouija board. And don't fuck with the demon named Zulu. I'm just kidding. I don't know his name. <laughs> Zuzu. Zozo. Zozo. Why do you make me say it so many times? I Because it's like your Beetlejuice. He gonna it's, come you know find what it is? me. You know what it is? It's my payback for Robert, the painting, the black-eyed kids. Why do you have to keep listing them out this episode? Well, because you, cause you did it to me. So I'm <laughs> making you say Zazu so that you... <laughs> Zuzu. Zozo. 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 I had to say it three times. Now you're going to think of Bloody Mary every time you walk in the bathroom. God. Mm-hmm. Guess I won't pee in anymore tonight. <laughs> guess I won't pee in. I guess I won't pee in. Just don't poke the bear. Number three... Learn from other people's mistakes. Mm-hmm. You don't have That's to cool. make the mistake that other people did. You know, like you don't have to. Like you said, if they would have learned from this, Waco might not have happened. On both sides. Yeah. The extremists, but also, fuck, the government the should government, have learned yeah. their lesson. There should have been, you know, well, one day I'm going to do Waco and we're going to go on all this too. <laughs> but that also... You don't have to go looking for Zozo. Mm-hmm. Like, He's out there. He's good. Quit <laughs> fucking with him. Yes. Learn from Darren's mistake. Learn from the people on Reddit. Listen to the story. Get scared. And then don't don't do it. Don't try it. Yeah. Make other mistakes. Don't make don't try life or death <laughs> mistakes. Yeah. Like, don't do that. Yes. So, I mean, that goes for everything. Yes. Live in a bubble. (laughs) Just stay at home and listen to our podcast. It's true. Well, also, sorry, I I mentioned this to Carrie earlier, but, like, mistakes and stuff. Also, don't don't feel pressured, like, because I know I'm joking about doing the Ouija board, but like I said, I would never just do it with me and Carrie or me and anyone. Like, it would have to be legit set up like trust everything but if you're younger or whatever and all your friends are around and y'all want to do the Ouija board and all that if you don't want to don't and if they're the people who are forcing you and making you feel like shit because you don't want to do something then fuck them yeah because you don't need that kind of negativity in your life right and so why I say this is because there was a girl that got pushed off a bridge by her friend, and it was, like, uh-huh. peer pressured into 
jumping and then she didn't want to jump anyway. But it's like that girl got seriously hurt. Uh huh. And it doesn't matter any of that. It's like, don't give in to that peer pressure. And this, again, why I can't be a parent because I'm like, don't do it. Don't blah, blah, blah. But don't. Be your own person. Do your own thing. And like Carrie said, if they don't understand it and they don't respect your boundaries and stuff, fuck them. Come over to our Creepster community. We will love and accept you and we won't make you do anything. Except subscribe, review. <laughs> yes. Rate us on iTunes. Review us on iTunes. It really does help. And remember, creep it real and, and don't, don't get scared. scared.